So I want to I want to uh, continue on. We've been we're doing a series on being neighborly, and today is our last Sunday uh, talking about being neighborly. And I want to show you a, a video just to sort of prep us for this message. So here we go. I'm Andrew from Tim Hortons. We're trying to figure out if people actually know their neighbors or not. Okay. We see each other in passing. I uh, don't know them at all. Would you be interested in having a cup of coffee with your neighbor? Right now? Yeah. You have an accent. Where are you from? I do. I'm uh, English. Oh, really? It's interesting, eh? Yeah. The brand of coffee? There oh, you go, hey. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> So you just got home not long ago? Oh yeah, I came a few hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, what do you do for work? I was just gonna ask you. <laughs> um, I work in sales. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you like the house? Love the house. It's completely renovated. I noticed. Uh, I mean, I was watching the whole thing go down, obviously. It must like, have been really annoying for you. So what, what do you do for fun? Now, I mean, everything is kind of the kids. But... <laughs> I just started my new job. Where did you start working? I'm a chef. Oh, okay, no. that's awesome. I'm not quite that Canadian yet. I don't know if I'm that Canadian yet. Like, I can't skate, I've never watched a hockey game in my life. Why haven't we met sooner? I know the mom life, the busy mom life. I know sometimes I see you <laughs> struggling with my two. Right? Sure. We have a barbecue this summer. Definitely, I agree. Yeah. And I'll do the dessert. I mean, maybe we'll have a coffee inside the house at some yeah, point. Yeah, when yeah, it's, yeah, uh, definitely. When it's not minus five. But, uh... So next weekend, I'm going to Montreal with a girlfriend. I'm going to Montreal too, actually. Next weekend, getting to know your neighbors more than just knowing their name. Typically, when I meet neighbors, first you got to do the hello from a distance. We see each other, but we don't really talk or hang out. When you actually take the time to start talking to somebody, it's amazing what you can find out that you have in common. I'm from a different country and I don't have a lot of family around me, so I consider my neighbors family. Canada, gain a new friend, meet your neighbor. It's as simple as that. After the service today, meet somebody new that you don't know from church. What if, we did, what if, some, what if they did this at your house, right? Do you know your neighbor, right? Are you able to have a coffee with your neighbor? Got some yeses here. So friends, in this series of being neighborly, by the way, we got Tim's permission to show this, so just to let you know, um, your friendly neighborhood coffee here in Canada. Um, but when you think about being neighborly, uh, coffee, food sometimes has the opportunity to bring us together. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared from the parable of the Good Samaritan and how he was being neighborly in all that he did and went the extra mile and the extra mile and the extra mile again. And so as we, as we look at, as we just conclude the series and as we look at being neighborly, I want to encourage you, particularly in these summer months of July and August, uh, as we have the opportunity, we're going on a prayer walk this Tuesday. We have a few more prayer walks this summer. Um, encourage you just to be able to have a conversation um, with your neighbors. And sometimes it takes a little bit of effort. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work. And your neighbors are not just the people that live right beside you, but maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's uh, friends from people at school, um, people that you get to know in the community or through other programs or events. 
maybe there's people here at Unionville Alliance Church that you don't know. Well, grab a coffee afterwards and, and eagle eyes, look out and find somebody you don't know and ask them their name. Strike up a conversation. I think it'll be great. I want to share with you three things this morning about being neighborly, uh, which I think are important and critical. And I'm taking these points from examples that Jesus actually did and said so that we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus and ask the Lord and say, Lord, make me more like Jesus. How many here you'd like to be more like Jesus? Right? I think a lot of us. And if you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ or you don't call yourself a Christ follower, I want to encourage you to study and know the stories of Jesus and what he did. And we're going to look at a few of them this morning. And I hope and pray that seeing the stories of Jesus might be attractional to you to say, hey, I'd like to be a little bit like Jesus. And so the first thing that I would say... All right, there's something going wrong over there. Hold on, let me see if I can get to the... Okay, there we go. The first thing that I would say is pause to create space for other people, okay? Pause to create space for other people. We live such busy lives. We go through uh, so many different things in this world. We're busy with work. We're busy with our family. Sometimes we need to be able to put things into our life so that we can actually pause and take a break to be able to connect with others. A few days ago, I was getting ready to to, I can't even remember what I was getting ready. I knew I had to be rushing out the door and I had to put the garbage out and I put the garbage out and as I was putting the garbage out, guess who was right there? My neighbor. And he started having this conversation with me and he was telling me some things and then he started telling me all sorts of other things that were going on in his life and I was listening and I was thinking to myself, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, right? But then he kept talking and he kept talking. I thought, I better be a good neighbor. I'm preaching on this. So I'm like waiting there, I'm listening and, and I was able at the end just to be able to say, I'll be praying for you. And that was just one step in the right direction and hopefully a longer conversation that I'm having with him. And so in all of our lives, we need to pause to to create space for others. Jesus did this so many times. For example, uh, there was a woman with, my apologies for all the lighting issues and everything, just keep looking up there or up here. Uh, There was a woman that had an issue of blood right? She was bleeding and she had this problem and she knew or somehow there was an understanding that came to her that said, if I'm able to touch Jesus, if I'm able to go to Jesus, I will be healed. Now, Jesus, we know that he was always doing so many things for people. He was always very busy, but didn't look busy, okay? You don't see Jesus rushing around. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, sorry, I can't talk to you right now. I need to go and do this. Oh, no, I can't do this right now. I need to do something else. Actually, in this story, Jesus was on his way to something else. There's a man named Jairus, and his daughter was sick, and Jesus was on his way to his house. And so on his way to his house, you know, this is an important case. This is something, you know, daughter's sick. You know, we need Jesus, And while this is happening, this woman stretches out and touches Jesus. And healing virtue goes out of Jesus, and she's healed. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. The whole crowd is pressing up against you. There's a ton of people that are there. In the midst of that... There's a pause. Jesus says, hold on. Let's wait. Something's just happened. I'm on my way to Jairus' house. I realize that. Throngs of people are coming against me and they're pushing on me. But hold on. Let's pause. 
Let's wait. Something's just happened. How many times in our life do we do that? Just to pause and wait. Because Jesus is doing something. In our lives, through our lives. We live such busy lives. One critical aspect of being neighborly is to be able to pause to create space for others. Create some white, white space. Create some open time for others. Otherwise, we're on the go, 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 go. We don't have time to connect with others. Jesus created space for others. He said, hold on. I'm not going to Jairus' house right away. Wait. Something's just happened. And he paused. He created space for this woman. And he had this conversation with her. We won't read all the other stories. You can read the rest of it in Luke, Luke 8. And he tells her, go, your faith has made you whole. Jesus created space for her. There's another story of Jesus, um, and it's the, the healing of the widow's son. And in the story of, of Jesus, he, again, he's on his way. He's going to a particular place. And as he goes to a particular place, he sees this big funeral procession. And as this funeral procession is going on, right, he sees this woman weeping and crying. And he sees her and he realizes that this woman, the Bible talks about this woman, and says that she lost her son. Her son had passed away, but it was her only son. Jesus seeing the need, it says here, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. As all of this is happening, funeral is happening, all these things are there, what does Jesus do? He pauses. He creates space. He creates an opportunity to meet the need of this woman. Friends, God wants us to pause, to create space for others, to create space for our neighbors so that we can engage with them. He saw the need and he met it. There's another story of Jesus uh, at, Mary, at Mary's, uh, Mary and Martha's house. And this is the story of, it was, was Lazarus' house. And in this particular story, Martha is busy. She's going about doing all of these different things, trying to cook, clean, get the house ready, doing all of these things that Martha is trying to do. And Mary, her sister, is there. And Jesus is teaching. And Mary is just seated there at the feet of Jesus. And she sits down and she's there listening, soaking it all in. She's pausing to hear from Jesus. And Mary and Martha says, hold on, Lord, look, I'm doing this. I got the cookies in the oven. I got the roast on. You know, I'm cleaning up the bathroom. I'm doing all of these things. Can you ask Mary to come and help me? This is totally unfair. She just gets to sit around and I'm doing all the work. And Jesus' response, right, is that Mary has chosen the better portion. It won't be taken away from her. Jesus realizes that that pause that opportunity to create space and engage with Jesus is really important, and Jesus won't take away that from Mary. Jesus won't send Mary to go about and be very busy and do this and do that. No, he says, I'm not going to take that away from her. There's been a pause. There's been a creating of space. She's engaging with Jesus, learning, becoming more like Jesus. Friends, God is calling us to pause and create space for others. God is giving us an opportunity to be able to do that. 
particularly this summer, can I ask you, can I encourage you, can I invite you to pause and create space for others? Who is the person that God is asking you to engage? Who is the person that the Lord wants you to talk with? Let's pause and create space for others. The second thing, risk to create space for others. In order to create space for others, in order to create space for our neighbors, it's not always going to be the easy thing to do. Sometimes you are going to have to take a risk. Oftentimes, taking a risk is really what is needed. And many times, we take a step back from the risk, and we don't actually take a risk. Here's another story of Jesus. It was, it was the woman with the alabaster box, which we just read. Ron read the, the portion of Scripture for us. This woman came to Jesus right? It says here, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Jesus' reputation was on the line. The Pharisee, this was the house of a Pharisee. This was a religious community. This was a religious space. This was supposed to be a, a quote-unquote holy space that Jesus was in. He was invited by a Pharisee to come. And so he's there in the Pharisee's home, and this immoral woman comes and she weeps, and as we read in the scripture, which we'll read a few more verses, she weeps and pours out her heart to the Lord and breaks the alabaster box on a jar at Jesus' feet. Now, anyone looking on the outside is going to be like, hold on, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus took a risk, put his reputation on the line to create space for that woman to come to him. Jesus could have rejected her and said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But Jesus took a risk with his reputation on the line. And we know that as we read those verses, the Pharisee, he was upset. The Pharisee was looking back and he thought to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is. He would make sure that she was far away from him. But Jesus willing to step into that space and create an opportunity for that woman to come to him. Friends, let me ask you, let me challenge you, do you have neighbors, do you have people within your circle, within your vicinity, that you are uncomfortable to be around? Whether they are of a different ethnicity, whether they are of a different culture, a different background, a different socioeconomic status, a different religion, a different sexual orientation? Are you uncomfortable to be around those types of people that are different from you? This woman was vastly different than Jesus, but Jesus created space for her. He took a risk. Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to put your reputation on the line? What if it was Daniel? Daniel was in the house. She's sitting there, Sam, I'm, I'm, what, what, what would happen if it happened right here? I'm sitting here, a woman comes down right here, starts crying and weeping and everything and pours all this thing on my feet. What are you guys thinking? Where's Laura? <laughs> Laura, can you go and intercede there? Can you go and do something? Why is Daniel allowing that woman to do? Would you guys be thinking that? Honestly, 100%. Would I be willing to put my reputation and my testimony on the line to create that space for her. Friends, it's an uncomfortable place to be in, but we see Jesus doing this time and time and time again. 
create, taking a risk to create space for her. The woman at the well, same thing, creating space for her. Can we do that? Look at what it says here. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water. Now, I want you to compare. Who is more neighborly? The Pharisee who invited him into his home or the woman? According to Jesus' description here, you tell me who is being more neighborly. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with with this perfume, with rare perfume. Who's, Who's more neighborly? You tell me. Is it the Pharisee? Or is it the woman? I I know, it's uncomfortable for you to say it, right? Who was more neighborly, the the religious, righteous Pharisee or the sinful, immoral woman? Who? It was the woman. She was the one that gave all of these things. Jesus pointed it out right here. Friends, are we willing to take a risk and step into that place? Are we willing to take a risk and create space for others? Are we willing to put our reputation on the line so that others can meet Jesus? Being neighborly is not about just sitting in your rocking chair and having a nice, comfortable life and everything is going well and I'm not going to speak into the situation. I'm not going to say something into this. I'm not going to do this. No. Being neighborly requires a risk to create space for others. Jesus did it time and time and time again. He engaged the disenfranchised. He sought out the needy. He looked for the outcasts. He looked for those people and sought how he could bring them in to his kingdom. Can I encourage you, friends, to do that? This past week, if you're following the news, there was a lot of things that happened this past week, particularly In the United States, there was the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, in the abortion rights in the United States. Now, I'm aware in Canada, there's no laws regarding that, and abortion can happen here in Canada from up up until the time of birth. But what's happened in the United States has created so many narratives and so many talking points and so much news, and, and I felt as your pastor that I wanted to address this as well, particularly in this point for us to be able to understand, can we take a risk and step into a space so that we can create an opportunity for others? Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, we see him value the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life is from the womb till eternity. And I know sometimes there's difficulty and there's hardships to say, oh, we're valuing the the sanctity of life in the womb, but maybe not afterwards. I want to say that we need to do a better job all around. And in many times we have failed, and I know that we haven't gotten it perfect. But we see in the Old Testament that the psalmist writing, you knit me in my mother's womb. You knit me, you created me in my mother's womb. My members were known in my mother's womb. We see the sanctity of life there in the womb. 
In the New Testament, when God promised, when the angel came and told Elizabeth she's going to have a son, John the Baptist, it says there specifically, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit when? When he starts his ministry? When he's born into this world? No, from the womb. You will be filled. He will be filled with the Spirit from the womb. So much so that when Elizabeth came and met Mary, or Mary came and visited Elizabeth, Mary also knowing that she is with child, the Son of God, Jesus, inside of her, came and visited her cousin Elizabeth, pregnant with, uh, with John the Baptist. What happened? John the Baptist, in the womb, leapt for joy. Oh, there were things that were going on. The sanctity of life, even within the womb. But... We also need to value the sanctity of life after birth as well. I'm thankful that here at Unionville Alliance Church, we've partnered with the Markham Stovall Crisis Pregnancy Center. And even right now, we're running a moms and tots group as they run that within our facility, and we're partnering with them towards that end. And I think it's so important for us to be able to say, can we value life even after birth? We value life within the womb, and it's so important. Because, unfortunately, every abortion ends with a death. And there's value, worth, and dignity in every human life. And so, but can we also apply that similarly, for example, in this case, for this woman with the alabaster box, and the Pharisees, the religious people looking down and saying, saying, you know, look at this woman, she's a sinner. Jesus taking a completely different viewpoint and looking at that woman and saying, a child of God created in the image of God, I love you, I care for you, I see your heart. Friends, there's value and worth in every human life. And it's up to us now to create that space. Take a risk and create space for people around us. Now it's, it's incumbent on us as followers of Jesus. We value the sanctity of life from the womb even till eternity. Because this life is not, is not just constrained by birth and death. We know that if we believe in Jesus, there is a hope that goes beyond the grave. And so can we live towards that as well and value life in the womb, but value life as well as people live in this world? Can we as the church, can we as Christians step up and find ways maybe to support the Markham, Pregnancy, the Markham Stovall Crisis Pregnancy Center? Is there ways in which maybe God might be calling or putting upon your heart for fostering or adoption? Is there ways in which we can support young moms and, and single moms or in single fathers? Is there ways in which we as the church can come alongside and do, do, do those things because we value life and we value the sanctity of human life, that each life has worth and value and dignity in the sight of God? And you might be here today and you might be thinking, maybe you've had an abortion before. I want to tell you one thing very clearly. Jesus loves you. Whatever you've gone through and whatever hardship and pain that you've gone through, Jesus loves you. And you see it time and time again that there's forgiveness and love with Jesus Christ. And if you've gone through that experience before, I want to tell you that come to the feet of Jesus. Jesus loves you. There is forgiveness and wholeness and healing found in Jesus Christ. Look at what Jesus did in, the, in, this, in this other story. There, there was a woman that was about to be stoned. She, she was caught in adultery. 
And the religious people of the day again came to Jesus and said, look, Moses commanded that if someone was caught in adultery, they should be stoned. Jesus, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, do you know what Jesus did? He took a risk and created space for this woman. Jesus took a risk, put his reputation on the line, put his word on the line, put his character on the line, and said, I'm going to create space for this woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? He told the accusers, said, the first one that's, that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. One by one, they all started to walk away. Only the woman and Jesus was left. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said this, neither do I go and sin no more. Friends, there's power in the forgiveness of Jesus. There's power in the love of Jesus. Can we create space? Can we take a risk for others? Who is that person or who are those people within your life that you are uncomfortable with? Different ethnicity, different culture, different religion, different sexual orientation, different whatever you might think. And you say, you stay over there, I'll stay over here. I'm comfortable in my own little circle. Ask yourself after the service today, who are the people you're going to talk to? Well, the people that look like me or the people that share my culture, the people that share my own ethnicity, the people that share similar values with me, those are the people that I'm going to associate with. No, Jesus calls us to be neighborly, to take a risk and step out in faith, to take a risk and create space for others, to show the love of Jesus to each and every person because we are all created with dignity and worth and value in the image of Jesus Christ. And more often than not, time and time again, and take a, instead of taking that risk and stepping out in faith, we take a step back and say, no, I don't want to associate with that person. Instead of taking a risk and saying, I'm willing if others speak this and this about me, if others gossip about me, if others say this about me, no, I am going to show the love of Jesus. I am going to walk beside this person. I am going to make a difference. I'm going to create space. For this person. Friends, let's try to do that. Don't let, the th let things in this world divide us, but let it unite us. Let's see people through the eyes of Jesus. These stories that I'm telling, these are not made-up stories. These are stories of actual events from the very real person of Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and you see how he acted. He stepped out. He created space. He took a risk. He looked to, to join with other people. Here's a story about a pastor in New York City. Take a listen. A pastor in New York. One day I got into a taxi, and uh, we were driving past a restaurant that was one of my favorite restaurants, and it was always popular. There was a line out the door. And I had struck up a conversation with the taxi driver, and he was an immigrant like I was. And there was a lot of controversy at the time about immigrants and people moving to this nation. There was a lot of fear of the other. Who were these people coming in? Would they disrupt our way of life? A lot of political commentary like that. But I, as we began to talk, all of those stereotypes fell away and we just found ourselves being fathers, both from different places, trying to make our way into this country. And as we moved past this particular restaurant with a line out the door, I said to him, hey, have you ever eaten there? Have you tried that food? And he said to me, no, I, I always see the lines there. I've always wondered if it's good. 
So I said to him, hey, if you leave the meter running in the taxi and I run in and grab some of that food, do you want to just sit here and keep talking? And he said, would you really do that? And I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. So I ran in and I got him some of this food and it was actually this, almost like a transcendent moment. It was two men from other sides of the world sitting in a taxi, sharing food and all of the stereotypes about who he was and what he represented just melted away. And we had in the middle of New York, this little portal of belonging that broke in in the midst of all of the stereotypes, all of the suspicion, just opening our hearts, sharing our stories. And it was, it was the, the highlight of my day. And as we got out of the taxi, I realized that's exactly what had happened. This environment of welcome shifted our understanding of each other. And this community of belonging was formed, even for a moment in a taxi on the side of the street in the middle of New York. And I couldn't help but wonder what would happen in our lives if we just paid attention to those little promptings and these environments of welcome, these little portals of hospitality broke out. And if that became a normal practice for followers of Jesus in coffee shops, in workplaces, on sports field, with soccer moms, everybody, there would just be these, this deconstruction of fear and there would be an, an inbreaking of love and welcome. And that may be what we're called to do as followers of Jesus in our time. Would we do that? Could we, could we break down the barriers of fear? Can we seek to engage with others, to take away the stereotypes, to take away the biases, to take away all of those things that prevent us from reaching out and talking to others and being neighborly, being Christ-like, sharing God's love? Can we do that? We live in the most multicultural city in the world. We have the opportunity. We, I'm thankful that here at Unionville Alliance Church, we are a multicultural church that we can engage with others of different races, ethnicities, cultures, backgrounds. But let's be that to people all over the world. Let's be that to people within our community. Let's be that to people in our neighbors. Let's be Jesus. How our church and how our neighborhoods will be radically changed if we follow the example of Jesus and engage others. The last thing, generously create space for others. It's not only pausing to create space for others, it's not only taking a risk to create space for others, but it's generously creating space for others. Jesus did this in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus was preaching and he was teaching and all these people, they were wonderful, they were listening to Jesus and they were like, this is great, this is awesome and everything and they ended up hanging around for three days. Can you imagine if Daniel did that, right? If you were here for three days and Daniel's kept talking and talking and talking, well, they, you know, this was Jesus, so they were, they were enthralled. And then finally, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, they've been here, it's late, just like, you know, send them away, right? And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they're like, what? Excuse me? Right? What if I were to say that right now? Don, our head usher, Don, before the service is done, can you make sure everyone here eats a full meal? Don will be like, what, 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 what do you mean? Like, how, where are we going to order the food from? What are we going to do? How are we going to get all this food for people? That's what the disciples were up in arms. They didn't know what was going on. And so it says here, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Generously create space 
for others. Jesus, out of the abundant generosity of his heart, out of the abundant love of his heart, he created space for others. He created generously, he created the opportunity to be able to feed others. And this is what God calls us to do as well. Out of the ways in which God has blessed us, out of the ways in which God has provided for us, out of the ways in which God has done so much for us, we should also respond in a, in a sense of generosity. Generously create space. Generously create opportunities. Generously give. God calls us to be neighbors. You heard the story. That was Pastor John Tyson. He's a pastor in New York City. The video that I just showed, it's part of the Alpha Life Shared series. Um, and what did he do? He said, hey, you know, keep the meter running. I know you're working. I'll grab, jump, jump into the store, grab some food for both of us, and let's keep chatting, right? I think that was pretty generous, don't you think? Very generous of him. Generously create space for others. Generously create an opportunity for people to engage in the story of Jesus. Generously create an opportunity so that you can share God's love and grace and peace and joy with others. Inasmuch as Jesus has changed our life or your life, or I hope that he has, and if not, I, I would love to have a conversation with you. But in as much as Jesus has changed us, can we be the channel of blessing? Can we be the vehicle of blessing to bless others as well? And finally, I think this is the, the greatest generosity, is that Jesus died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The greatest act of generosity was Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for us, generously creating space for us in eternity. Jesus, out of his abundant love and generous giving, said, I am going to come down to this world in obedience to the Father, die on the cross, and create space so that people that follow me will be with me in eternity. Look at what he says in John 14. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. Jesus died to create space, to generously create space for you and me in the Father's house. Isn't that amazing? Jesus died. Let me say that again. Maybe you didn't click here. Jesus died to generously create space for you and me in the Father's house for all eternity. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing! Right? I asked, I asked you a few weeks ago. We still need some people, by the way. I asked you a few weeks ago. We're hoping to invite a, uh, an international worker from Colombia, and we would love to be able to host her for a few months, and we're looking for people to host her for one month at a time. Right? And I know some people are going, can I do it? Can I do it? I? Jesus is opening his house for all eternity for us. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is saying, not only am I opening the door for you, generously creating space for you in my Father's house, in my eternal kingdom forever and ever, hold on, give me a little bit of time. I'm just going to go, I'm going to sneak out right now and just prepare, okay? I'll come back and get you when everything's ready. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus generously created space by dying on the cross for us, by forgiving our sins as we come to him and as we ask him to do so. He's generously created space for us in his eternal house forever and ever and ever. 
And now he asks, can we just invite somebody over for a coffee? Can we invite a neighbor over for a meal? Can we create space for others? Can we step out and be more like Jesus? Pause and create space for others. Take a risk and create space for others. Live generously to create space for others. Be like Jesus. Worship team, please come. As we sing the song, More Like Jesus, be like Jesus. Mary Odnotsky, who uh, works on staff here as our bookkeeper, was sharing with me a story, and I, I asked her permission to, to share this. And uh, about 20-plus years ago, she, was, she and her husband, Mark, they were living across the street, right? They still do. And when they moved into the neighborhood, moved in the neighborhood, didn't know, you know, which church to go to, where to go. You know who came along? Winston Miller, one of our elders who preached last Sunday, came along and dropped a little invite into their mailbox. Then his wife came along with some goodies and treats and chocolates, invited them to church. They were being neighborly, shared the love of God. 20 plus years later, there's Mark and Mary, right? Mary works on staff. Mark has been an elder, been the chair of our board before as well, and served here at Unionville Alliance Church in so many different ways. All started... Somebody, and there was other things that, that worked alongside of that and other events that came to pass, but Winston went and dropped a neighborly invite to them. Friends, can I challenge you today? In these summer months, let's be more like Jesus. Let's stand.